Bum, 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 bum. Welcome back, everyone. Episode 22 of... The Chances Infancy. I like how that's your, your weekly voice now. Yeah, I don't know why I started doing it, but now I'm doing it. I don't know. I've had to dial back from going... Every time you do it. But, episode 22 today, we're talking about everyone's favorite Imperial Grand Moff. Because he's your only option, it's like, hey, you're my favorite sister. Which I can say to my sister and get away with, because I don't have another sister. Right. And I'm never lying, no matter how little I like her. <laughs> and she'll never hear this joke, because she doesn't support us or love us. Oh! Sick burn. Dude, what if she's like on a road trip this week? This and is the one episode she watches. Worth Sorry. it. Worth it. Um, but today we're talking about Will Huff, also known as Tarkin, for you average casual fans out there. And so, um, man, there's so much stuff. There's comics, novels, all that stuff. Um, and so he's someone that's recognizable from Star Wars, mm-hmm. but there's a lot more than meets the surface. He's basically like an iceberg. Yeah. The first thing that really ever drew my attention to Tarkin, this was very early on, was when... Uh, is it when Vader Vader's was, choking that guy? Vader was ah, choking, ah, I believe that guy's name is Mahdi. Yeah, Admiral Mahdi. And, or General Mahdi. I think it's uh, Rear Admiral, or Vice Admiral Mahdi. <laughs> That's what they're called, bro. I didn't make the names up. <laughs> I just know the facts. And so... Uh, and Tarkin said, release him, and Vader listened. Yeah. That's the only person you see besides the Emperor that Vader, Vader willingly acquiesces to. I noticed that he rolls his R's very nicely. That's one of the things I noticed right off the bat. Vader, release him. And I was like, ooh, a fancy fans. But yeah, Vader listens yeah. to Tarkin. So today, we're going to dive into everything Tarkin. So, Do we have any news before we get started? Oh, newsy news. Well, um, we did talk a little bit about uh, squadrons. Uh, yeah. But there's a little bit more details. Something that's cool is in the trailer, um, you see a couple of very familiar faces. I think you see... Um, Admiral Radish, I believe, is in the trailer, so he's super cool. Um, man, I'm excited for that, but I'm also sad that we only got him for that one movie on um, Rogue One. Mm. Because Radish was like, they say that Radish is the more radical, which is why he's Radish. Mm. He's the raddest admiral around. Um, but he's like <laughs> the more aggressive version of Admiral Akbar. And so I would like to have seen more of him. That's why Admiral Akbar perseveres. Mm-hmm. But uh, Raddus got a better send-off, thanks to Ryan Johnson. Um, so you've got that. Uh, Harris Syndulla's in it. Uh, Wedge Antilles is in it. Oh, that's cool. And the coolest thing is it's New Republic era. It's right after the fall of the Empire. So it's the New Republic versus the Imperial Remnant. Oh, wow. So, so Harris survived. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's all the way in Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah, I guess I, I remember the ghost being called. Oh, yeah. The ghost is there. So, that's a little bit of news. All right. On to Tarkin Town. Let's do it. He's um, the first Grand Moff, 
And yeah. as far as we know, the only Grand Moff. There's more out there, I think, but I cannot recall. I can't recall any of them of any consequence off and the top of my head. It doesn't really matter because Tarkin was the person that the rank was invented for. Right. Yeah. If it's like, it's kind of like, you know, if there's a better light bulb now, but it's like, yeah, but you're no Thomas Edison. Right. You know what I mean? Even though your Thomas Edison was a wiener. But, uh, so you have Tarkin, first name Will Huff. Um, so already that's a very, cool. yeah. It's, a oh, cool it's already a power move. Power move. What's your name? Will Huff. You know, like, well, oh, all right. We'll look out for this one. Yeah, you're serious. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever seen Tarkin make a joke. Uh, he's got like that dry and withdrawn sense of humor where everybody else in the room is the joke. <sighs> and he's the only person that cares to he's know He's like the, the opposite of dad. Like our dad, he'll, he'll say something that's not supposed to be a joke and everybody thinks it's hilarious. And dad's like... And like then, after and that, then we'll wind him up. Yeah, yeah, and just yeah. keep him going. We're like, he's got a little traction. He'll just keep going. Yeah. So it's kind of like we're all laughing because he's making kind of a, a fool of himself, not in like a rude way, but just like, whenever he gets you laughing, there's no. You heard it here, folks. His <laughs> Josiah said, "Our dad's an idiot." No, and I that's said Josiah's only opinion. He uh, he's willing to to be silly. Yeah. Once he gets you, once you get him wound up. Yeah. Will Huff is the kind of guy to be like, all right, well, I guess I'm just the most uh, richest, most famous, best guy in the room. The rest of you guys are pretty trash. <laughs> yeah, he's constantly just making fun of everybody else in the room to himself. Yeah, yeah. And, um, man, in Rebels, his head is huge, now that I'm thinking about it. You remember? Yeah, it's shaped like a trapezoid. <laughs> It's like a. It With looks like a light bulb. Up top. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a light bulb. Now that I made, made the Thomas Edison reference, um, but we're gonna jump a little bit into his backstory because a lot of people, if you're a casual Star Wars fan, or even if you're a little bit of a stronger Star Wars fan, you've probably seen him in A New Hope. That's the only Star Wars he's in as far as legacy films, and well, then he made a Return in Rogue One. Not the same actor, but the character makes right. an appearance. I guess I meant Skywalker films. Yeah. Um, and, uh, dude, that's, Tarkin is the guy that dude. takes over the, over the room. Like By the when, way, can we just say how, how awesome, how he magnificent mm-hmm. the CGI rendering was in Rogue One? It yeah. looked like he was there. Yeah. A real man. At the very, very end of Rogue One, whatever, they're like, what have we been given? And they look around and Leia's character's like, hope. I was like, hey, it looks kind of like Leia. Yeah. It, I mean, it was passable. Like if, but, if that came out and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. when Star Wars came out, they'd be like, oh, Carrie Fisher. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But Tarkin's character is like uncanny, yeah. which to me is actually the harder job because Carrie Fisher in the seventies, her her she doesn't really have freckles. She has kind of a even skin tone. Like to me, if you have to recreate something, that's easier. But but man, Tarkin's well, full on cancer spots on the face. Like yeah. well, and he was on screen for an extended period of time. Yeah, so, you know, so you had to make it work and well, make it last. I was impressed because you didn't see him in the trailers. Mm-hmm. You know. So you see him, and he's got his hands behind his back, and he's looking at the Death Star as it's being completed. And I was like, "Don't you tease me, Rogue One, folks? Is that a Will Huff or isn't it?" And because uh, I had already read Tar- the Tarkin novel at this mm-hmm. time, so I-, I was telling you, like, you know, I- you've always liked Tarkin, but I was yeah. like, "Oh, I'm telling you, man, he's on another level." Yeah. And so when I saw the reflection, I was like, "Oh my God, they did a beautiful job with that reflection! Wow, that's uncanny. Mm-hmm. You can tell it's him, but you know, it's yeah." You're looking at him through the glass, you know. You don't, you don't really know if you like. Then he turns around. And he's like, 
I will tell the emperor that the weapon is finished. And you're like... <laughs> like, it was just amazing. Yeah. I love him and Krennic's dynamic. Yeah, I like the... Krennic is such a bully. Well, and, so... and Krennic is such a wiener, too. So it's nice to see Tarkin just, like, constantly, you know, just putting him in yes. his place. Dude, you can tell that Darth Vader and Tarkin talk so much crap about <laughs> Krennic when they're hanging out. Yeah, they're like... Want to uh, play a little golf, little huff? And I need then to Vader let off some like, steam. And then I said, be careful not to choke on your <laughs> <laughs> And Tarkin was like, very funny, Vader. Very funny. Uh, supreme wit, Lord Vader. Oh. Your shot. Would you care for some heroin? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you brought it back last week and say you opened the Pandora's box. I closed it. It's back. So, let's jump a little bit into, um, I guess, his early childhood. You recently... Well, tell me about your childhood. What's your mother like? Well, I grew up on Iriaru. It was terrible. <laughs> so, I guess jump a little bit into the backstory, because I read the novelization of Tarkin when it first came... Well, novelization. The actual book. That's the only thing. <laughs> There's not a movie of it. Yes. Although, I would that love would be that. That sick. <laughs> Um, I start foaming at the mouth just thinking about it. <laughs> um, dude, oh man, that would be awesome. It would be cool. I need a novel, preferably by Timothy Zahn, oh, yeah. with th- just like some Thrawn and Tarkin shenanigans. Yeah, I would 100% want Timothy to write that because uh, no, no flack to you, James, but... Uh... Well, you made a good point about James... When you when you're reading Star Wars authors, each of them they all have their own a tendencies, tick, a niche. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, for instance, like Darth Bane was written by Drew Carpishan. right? And he's got a great. He just knows how to build a story. Right. He knows how to build a character. Yeah. And well, you could read you read three books. Yeah. And most of it is about Bane. You're with Bane most of the time, and that's all I care. And about. the whole time yeah. you're like, yeah, I'm not sick of this yet. This is amazing. Yeah. And then Timothy Zahn. He's got, like, the legacy type. Um, he can build you a whole new story. Yeah. Well, and he's good at keeping simultaneous storylines going. Yeah. Um, without you really losing interest, uh, just the only reason I would always skip the Arinda Price sections is just because I hate her. Yeah. Arinda. Yeah. Well, the thing is also that you got to realize that Timothy Zahn's writing kind of in a box. Right. At that point. Correct. But if you go back to the Heir to the Empire series, you're actually toggling back and forth between Thrawn and Luke Han and Leia's story, mm-hmm. some Lando, some yep. Mara Jade. Well, and it's cool because he's balancing each of those like secondary and tertiary stories as well, like going mm-hmm. back between mm-hmm. those and weighing them and right. saying what's important. Yeah, you kind of get a, world. you kind of get. Um, half of Thrawn mm-hmm. and then everyone else is sharing the other half yeah, it's really but it's cool. very balanced yeah but James um, is uh, James is the details guy James Lucino is the author of the Thrawn book uh, he no no Tarkin sorry Tarkin we're on Thrawn in my mind uh, but he kind of cut his teeth in Plagueis is the first book that I read that he wrote Star Wars wise. He's written other Star Wars stuff, but Plagueis was probably his best Star Wars book. Which people are saying is officially now not canon because of the uh, Queen's Shadow book mm-hmm. that says or Palpatine. Queen's Peril. I don't know. It's this, whatever the new book is. I coming think it's out. Queen's Shadow. Um, you can look that up and, and go ahead. Correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, anyway. That's the one that I had read first, and I enjoyed his writing in that book because 
the political intrigue was necessary because it was talking about how Plagueis was balancing all of these different piles, you know, and how right. he was influencing all the decision makers, but from the shadows and how he leveraged to getting Palpatine in power and all those sorts of things were really necessary. Um, and I guess it makes sense in Tarkin that Tarkin is someone who, because he's a non-forced user, has to just master politics and master uh, bureaucracy. And right. that's where a lot of his power comes from, is his ability to recognize that and to manipulate it and to be pulling the strings. It just gets a little lofty sometimes, where he's like giving you the nth degree of details, even in the little things like the... Uh, like the creators of like Tarkin's ship, the Carrion Spike, like all the details yeah. about that ship and all the features that it has and all the makers of those features. And I'm like, oh my God, just yeah, like Lucino, inundated with all these details. I don't know if it's Lucino or Lucino, but he his writing style is, a lot of times when, when a new book comes out, we'll listen to it before we read it mm-hmm. or we'll listen to it as we're reading it or we'll toggle back and forth. James's reading or writing style, to really get the full effect, you really need the book. Yeah. So that you can go, hang on, just a second. You just yeah. listed 35 parts of this ship's interior right. manifest, you know? Yeah. And um, I'm just trying to, like, balance back between what's, like, important to hold right. on to and the things that I can forget. Right. So Queen's Shadow came out in 2019. Queen's Peril is the new book okay. that kind of decanonizes um, Plagueis, yeah. basically. But I think... But James has James written a lot was, of Star Wars stuff. Also, he was, like, definitely trying to protect... His claim on things because he did confirm some of the things he wrote in Plagueis right. in Thron- or, uh, Tarkin, which is canon. So, so like 114D, his droid, he's um, canon now. So James Lucino wrote uh, Darth Maul Saboteur all the way back in 2001. That was like his one of his first Star Wars books. He also wrote some of the, um, uh, the Legacy series where it, you have the Yuuzhan Vong War. He wrote like mm-hmm. three or four of that series, which I think is 19 books total he wrote the book millennium falcon which was a really big deal when it came out in 2008 and man i'm sure he gets into the nitty-gritty about everything in the millennium falcon so that'll be fun to go and look back on he also wrote uh he was the author of the dark lord trilogy which is labyrinth of evil which has i'm sure you've seen this cover before where it has grievous and anakin on there Mm -hmm. he wrote that he wrote um he either helped or wrote the novelization for revenge of the sith Oh, that's cool. And then he wrote um, uh, Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader. And but, that's kind of three yeah. into kind of the Rogue One era. That's Legends now, I believe. But, but regardless... Um, Plagueis, uh, Cloak Pl- of Deception was Plagueis really good. Plagueis was his magnum opus. And another one that you should read that is really, really good is Catalyst. It's a prequel to Rogue I One. And it's been written by James. Yeah. And it's a really... That... His... James, here's James's thing. James will help you fall in love with a character. Mm-hmm. And so you can watch Rogue One and go, God, this Krennic guy's annoying. But if you read Catalyst, yeah. you fall in love with Well, Krennic. you can tell that Timothy Zahn doesn't like him at all either. Well, you can tell that Timothy Zahn doesn't like Krennic because... Because of the way that he appears. Well, yeah. And when they when you're thinking about Rebels Season 4, Star Wars Rebels, um, the writers, you know, Dave Filoni goes... Okay, so what we're doing is we're going to have, you know, that's my Dave Filoni impression. But he basically is going to, he's pitting Thrawn against Krennic. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because Thrawn is obviously more deserving of the Emperor's attention and the Empire's finance. But because Krennic is working on the Death Star, and that's kind of up Palpatine's alley of like the ultimate power in the universe, mm-hmm. you know. 
And so you see that whole season that even though you never see Krennic in the flesh in, in Rebels, mm-hmm. Thrawn is having to deal with freaking Arinda Price can't do her job as the governor of Lothal. He's having to deal with the Rebels. Yeah. And then he's got generals who are like worried about their stuff. Like there's been multiple times in Rebels where something falls apart and it makes Thrawn look bad, but it's because his subordinates are idiots. Yeah. And so he's busting his butt to try to fund the Tide Defender Project, which would have saved the Empire. And Krennic's getting all the glory and all the money for the, yeah. you know. Speaking of the ultimate power in the galaxy being right at Palpatine's alley, something that's cool from the book that's a cool quote, and it's not a spoiler because you already saw Tarkin on the Death Star in Episode Four. get over it. Uh, basically, Palpatine promotes Tarkin to being over all of the Death Star project, and that's kind of where you see him at the beginning of the book as well, is overseeing some of the production on Geonosis. Uh, and... Palpatine says, soon you'll be in charge of the supreme power in the galaxy. And Tarkin says, I don't believe that will ever be the case, my lord. Which is super cool because he's totally like saying, he's basically heavily implying that he knows that Palpatine's a Sith lord and that he's the ultimate power. Yeah. Which is super dope. Well, Tarkin is, he's an alpha male, Mm -hmm. but he's the, he's a type of alpha that's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to align myself with the super alpha male. Yeah, he's he's the master of choose your battles. Yep. Yes, that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. So James does an amazing job of making you fall in love with the character. Mm-hmm. So when he wrote Plagueis, you're like, oh my God, no wonder. You know, Sidious right. talks about this in episode three. And then he wrote Tarkin, and it just that kind of... Yeah, I already liked Tarkin. You liked him, but I yeah. feel like after reading the novel... Yeah, well, because you can... He has a more he's, special he's place. He's great at showing how a character becomes who that person is even if he's already even if that person's already made before he gets his hooks in him he can like recreate their beginning in such a way that gives you mad respect well when when tarkin was being announced the novel they said um tune in as you know grand moff tarkin gets the plagueis treatment Mm -hmm. that's a cool way to say that and so when i saw that i was like all right give it to me like i was so excited about yeah he just flushed out Plagueis so beautifully. And so he does that. And then in Catalyst, like I was saying, he does that for Krennic, but also for um, Galen Erso, Jen's dad. Mm. And so those two characters have a stronger... I read those that book before Rogue One came out. So every time I saw Galen or, or Krennic, I was like, ah, oh, here they are. There yeah, they I know are. you really like Krennic. Yeah, Krennic's, Krennic's, Krennic's funny because it's fun to make fun of Krennic. Like, he's cool, but it's, you know... Blast Points podcast always talks about how he's the guy who spills coffee on his white jacket. <laughs> like, he's just that kind of guy where you're like, oh, here we yeah, go. I'm just that kind of guy. I'm just that kind of guy. How about you? But anyway, let's get it. Let's really get into it. So, yeah. so you're going to kind of lead this whole... You have the fresh on the brain. Yeah. So I'll go for my, it. I'll do my best. Anyway, so Tarkin is a native to the planet Iriadu. Iriadu. is brought up multiple times to be in a similar sector to both Naboo and Tatooine, which Palpatine kind of points to the fact that Tarkin, Palpatine, and Vader all come from the outer rim of that sector, and they're like, we were the underdogs, and now we're ruling this bad boy. Dude, that is pretty cool. Which is a pretty cool point for Palpatine to be like, hey, look look at us. Look at us. Look at us. Say it again. Look at us. And so Palpatine... Uh, Dang, that is pretty raw. Yeah. It turns out that Palpatine kind of like makes Tarkin's career and picks him out from a relatively young age, like it's, pre, it's, like pre Clone Wars, pre Civil War, pre uh, anything that's going on. He sees with the potential. Naboo. He sees things that Tarkin is capable of, and he wants a man on the inside, basically helping him get stuff yeah, ready. Because it's rare that there's somebody as competent as Tarkin, mm-hmm. and Palpatine kind of sees that early on. Well, it's rare that someone's 
has that bright of a future mm-hmm. and still knows their place and knows how to right. choose their battles, like you're right. saying. Right, we'll get into that. you've got Krennic, you know, not yeah. to keep harping on Krennic. Yeah, just mad dog. But, like, he's, yeah, he's like, all right, well, I'm going to be in charge of this whole thing. And and when you read um, Thrawn Treason, I want to say, it's really, really heavily implied that Krennic doesn't think that the Emperor or Vader are capable oh, of yeah, ruling. Oh, yeah, yeah, especially from Assistant Director like, Ronan's perspective. Yeah, and so you're talking, you're reading this book, and you're like, so who the freak is going to rule the galaxy, Krennic? You? You can't even, like, put on your shirt front ways. You know what I mean? Right. Like, So Tarkin is the guy that goes, if it came down to it, could I rule the galaxy? Probably. Yep. Am I smart enough? Absolutely. But you know what I'm not going to do? Piss off the guy that's right. ruling the galaxy right now. Right. And so, so he's capable, but he's trustworthy. Right. And he yeah. knows his place. So what's cool about Tarkin, and this is what's cool about Tarkin's entire bloodline, we find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that Tarkin comes from Iriadu and on Iriadu. I would like to um, request that every time you say Iriadu, you have to say it in Tarkin's voice. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Is ruled by the Tarkin family for generations. And the way that they ensure that each member of their family who's going to step into the new ruling position is they have this... uh, They've obviously civilized the planet by now. Mm -hmm. But they have this section that they refuse to to tame at all. Mm -hmm. And they call it the Carrion. And it's basically this vast plateau of, like, insane wildlife and apex predators mm-hmm. that uh, Tarkin learns pretty quickly. I think they take him out for the first time when he's, like, 12. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, like, survival training to the nth degree. Yeah. And he has to go out there. He, I think he's allowed to carry a blaster, but they mostly use vibro lances. And the ultimate goal is to ensure that all the apex predators... Don't get wiped out, but they recognize your place out of fear. Mm-hmm. So they recognize that you're the ruling authority, that you're the greatest threat because you've asserted your dominance in such a way that they won't even think about touching you. Yeah, basically the idea is <clears throat> you've got to go into this no man's land mm-hmm. and show that you're the top of the food chain. Because mm-hmm. if you can't rule there, then you don't deserve to rule elsewhere. Right. That's pretty balling. And the, and the cool thing is it's like... It's not, you and know, it, sometimes... There's no mollycoddle. Yeah, I was going to say, there's training other other times, you mm-hmm. know, where, like, if you watch, like... Um, like, there's a safety net that you can't yeah. see. There's no safety net here. Yeah, when you when you watch the Clone Wars and they're training the cadets and they're like, all right, guys, well, you keep screwing up. Like, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, imagine the simulations, like, Fives and Echo and all them go through, mm-hmm. but the bullets are all real. Right. And the first time you get shot, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how it is. And yeah. if, if a wildcat gets you, then a wildcat gets you. Yeah. And you shouldn't have ruled anyways. And he talks about times that, like, there's all kinds of crazy insects and stuff. And so, like, there are insects, like, eating his face. Mm. And he had to, like, get out of it. You know, mm-hmm. like, there's nothing, he, nobody protecting him. Right. Um, I mean, like, he has his uncle who basically has lived out there for, like, three generations. I don't know yeah. what that guy's doing, but he's on some some another level. Yeah. Um. And, and his uncle can just kind of walk around butt naked and nobody messes with him because yeah. he's been when well, he's the like alpha such a he's such a part of it. Yeah, you know what I mean. That it's kind of like an avatar where at the beginning you see uh, the marine, what's his name, Jake, and he's like making this big fuss and he gets mm. attacked by all those wolves and then the uh, the blue chick was like, you know, it's your fault that they attacked you. You were sloppy. You attracted attention. And the uncle's kind of reached that level where he's so in tune with the land that he can just get through no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but the coolest thing is that if you die, you die. Yeah. And if you don't survive, then you're not worthy of ruling. You're not a good enough Tarkin. And uh, 
like you even see in the book where the uncle's like, yeah, when you get to this certain challenge, you're going to see the bones of your ancestors that didn't make it. Oh, snap. They just leave them out there. They don't even bury them, which is pretty ballin'. Yeah, because you don't deserve a burial. Yeah, so you it's like crap. freaking their whole planet is Sparta, and he's now here to assert his Spartan rule over the galaxy. Basically, Tarkin's family is the opposite of everyone in the world today. <laughs> yeah, right. Survival of the fittest. Yeah. They're like the, the picture of the Darwinian concept. Pretty much, dude. And what's cool is they all through this time when they're, and it's kind of backstory, like, you know, flashback to where this part yeah. of his childhood is relevant to this part of his career. But you can, throughout all of it, see that all of this is leading to him being and isn't kind one of, of Palpatine's peers. Isn't Plagueis, correct me if I'm wrong, but does Plagueis jump back and forth time-wise? Um, A little bit? I want to say yes, just because you see, I, it's more linear, I think, but mm-hmm. I mean, you see basically from him as the first time he kills his master and then all of a sudden he's, he go to mask and he's, you know, this big mm-hmm. power chain. But I think for the most part, it's linear. Mm, okay. It's definitely not as flashbacky as. Yeah. I was just trying to, th- I was trying to remember if Tarkin. they're, um, I was trying to remember if they're similar writing styles, but anyways. So he's he basically is growing up, and um, the writing is from you know quote unquote present day, mm-hmm. which is between episode three and four. Yeah, I want to say that um, obviously it ends somewhere prior to episode four, um, but you see a lot of it kind of unfold uh, like thirty years prior to episode four and on. Um, Right. So even even before episode one, a lot of this is taking place because it's Tarkin's career. Because by the time we're in Clone Wars, which is between episodes two and three, right, uh, he's already a captain serving under Even Peel, right, which is uh, the Citadel episode. I can't remember mm-hmm. what the that prison's called. I think it's called the Citadel. Yeah. So you know they, they have to break. Yeah, he's memorized him. half the code, and yeah, you got to break Tarkin and Even Peel out of their prison there. Mm-hmm. Um. And then that's where Echo gets all blown up, and then he actually survived, yeah. and all that stuff. But a really important part of that arc is seeing uh, Tarkin interact with Anakin. And mm-hmm. so it talks about in the book how Tarkin pretty much knows that Vader's Anakin. He's put two and two together. He's figured out that if Anakin survived the fall of the Jedi, but he's still using the dark side of the Force, he's probably a Sith, which means that Palpatine's probably his Sith master. And he's like, and I'm not going to say any of it to anybody. Right. He's right. like, He's got all the knowledge, and he's just keeping it right here. And he's that guy again. This is what this is what sets the men apart from the boys is Krennic. Krennic would try to leverage that prematurely. Would go, yeah, like you know, not only does Krennic like Krennic would be that guy in Batman that was like, I figured out you're Batman. You're gonna give me this much money every day or every year for the rest of my life. Yeah, and uh, Joker kills Morgan Freeman's character is like. You've just figured out the real identity of the man that by night beats up the baddest criminals of Gotham City, and your plan is to blackmail this person? <laughs> yeah. That's that that guy right there, that's freaking that's, that's Krennic. Krennic. Yeah, Morgan Freeman. And your plan is to blackmail this person? Dude. Uh yeah, Krennic is the guy that he's got leverage and he doesn't know how to use it or when to use it. Yeah. Like Darth Vader would cut him in line at the freaking <laughs> You know, the supermarket or, like, in the food court at the Death Star or whatever. And Krennic would be like... That's the last straw. I know you're a Sith. I know you're Anakin. And Vader's like... Who? (laughs) Yeah, Anakin... You know, freaking Vader's like, 
do you want the breadsticks that bad, Orson? <laughs> you know, like, it's just, he doesn't know when to use it. Yeah. And Tarkin is the guy that he won't use it against somebody. If he ever was to use it, it's to say little things like, I don't think I'll ever be the number one holder of power yeah. in, the, in the galaxy. And it's really just to, he uses it to show them, hey, I know what's up. But I know what the heck is up. Yeah. Like, I know who you are, and what's, I'm not using it against you. Yeah. I'm letting you know what's, I respect the freak out of yeah. you, and I want to be on your team. That's what's badballing about Tarkin, is that he he used his leverage, like all this knowledge that he has, which is like, those are the biggest secrets in the galaxy. Right. And he's using it to underscore his loyalty, mm-hmm. as opposed exactly. to furthering himself. Exactly. Which has always worked out for him, because Palpatine loves that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so as he gets older... So as he gets older, he's, he's a part of... We'll cover briefly some of his military history. So he tests his ultimate... I'm trying to decide whether to talk about his ultimate challenge now. I would just go ahead and go linearly because... Yeah, okay, so he's 12 years old. He's on the carry for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes for the next several summers until I think he's like 16, 17. Right. And it's he only spends his summers test. there. Yeah, and so... For the next few years, his uncle will drive past what's called the carrion spike, and they Mm -hmm. see it from a distance. And he never tells him what he has to do, but for all this time, he's saying, hey, that's where your final test is going to be. So essentially, it's a a speed-cooled pillar of magma. Mm -hmm. So it's literally just like this obsidian spike, almost, that's like, I think he said like... sharp as free. I think he said 20 meters high. Yeah. Um, And it's smooth as glass for the most part. Hmm. And so it's really, it's almost impossible to climb. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's a, a troop of like 100 plus uh, like near sentient primate species mm-hmm. that uh, basically dominates the area. And by day, the males will kind of surround the spike mm-hmm. and just kind of chill out there, play watch guard because... Tarkin says it's the only place high enough, or it's the highest place for, like, hundreds of kilometers around. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's the high ground. They learn from (laughs) Obi-Wan. This is where we stay during the day. Yeah. At nighttime, they're running around, they're hunting, but they're... You're blowing my mind because I don't remember any of this. Oh, nice. Uh, And so they're, like, they're the apex predators on the carrion. Right. And apparently their species are typically solitary and pretty vicious but they'll leave you alone Mm -hmm. this species is like very social and they look different and they act different and they hunt as a pack yeah they're it's very much like it's planet of the apes man that's what i'm saying and so they've got i remember when i was reading the book i was like oh my god it's caesar yeah because that's when planet of the apes was coming out yeah and so tarkin is basically watching this as he grows up all his time and then his final season at the beginning of the summer his uncle says all right here's your mission Take as much time as you need to plan this out, but you're going to have to spend a whole day on top of the carrion spike, like up by the pillar, and then you have to find your own way down at nightfall when they're most active. Mm. And so... And so he has to climb up by himself or he he gets dropped off? No, he has to make his way all the way up, Mm. stay there for the full day, come down at night. And they don't want him up there. He can't have a blaster. He gets to have a a vibro lance. Mm Mm-hmm. With limited charges. So. Jeez. Sucks. Pretty much. Pretty much. uh, It's like naked and afraid. But. Life and death. So he spends. 
this is what is cool and this is very telling about Tarkin's character is that he knows this is where most of his ancestors failed. Um, his uncle's like, plan this well because on the return journey is where most of your predecessors failed and you'll see their bones on your way out. Hmm. I was like, holy crap. And so he takes like an entire month to think about what to do. And some change to plan out this attack. Hmm. And so he's studying them at the watering hole from afar. He's like learning how the whole species interacts. He's like learning them as individuals and well, giving them names. It's so cool because Sir, um, oh my God, Peter Cushing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he was a knight, but Peter Cushing, the guy that plays Tarkin in A New Hope, mm-hmm. um, he also played Sherlock Holmes earlier in his mm-hmm. career. And so it's just cool because you kind of see that you see that Sherlock Holmes yeah, side of kind him of bleeding through. Mm-hmm. And so uh, basically, he's Jeff Corwin out there, man. He's just studying the primates, yeah. figuring out their dynamic. And so eventually, he goes up. He's like making preparations, though. He's making traps for his way out. He's planning his escape route. He's uh, planning. He's like building specialized materials um, to help him climb up to the top of the spike. He's like reinforcing the soles of his boots. Like going, I remember that. I remember that extra mile, and so and is he interacting with the no, primates? No, he's, he's keeping his distance because they have. So what, they're social, but they're aggressive. They're very aggressive. Okay. Okay. Yeah, like screw you over if they like they have this invisible line that he talks about that he hangs out just on the other side of it. And but if you he, cross the line, yeah. And so he's talking about how he hangs out just on the other side of. It. He's got his macro binoculars. Yeah. There's and a he's border like, of and sorts. then one day they saw him observing them, and so now they're watching him watch them. Mm. And so he's like, they just kind of saw me as a curiosity. And they're not sentient, but they're 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 aware, and they've got yeah. They've got it's similar to like apes, like yeah. you know, they've an got ape is smarter than a dog, but yeah. they're not sentient. If that right. makes sense. And so um, he's basically learning how to. He says he's never heard of. And I wish I had the name of the species off the top of my head, but oh, he's oh, saying, keep going. He's heard of them. He's not heard of them being domesticated, but he's heard about them being used as security. So he's like, I want to see if I can get inside their head and kind of basically get them on my team. Wow. And so he's now And no one's ever thought about that before. Everybody's just trying to avoid them. He's not trying to work against them. He's trying to work with them. How do I get them to work for me? Yeah. That's cool. And so this is what he does. And the coolest part about this is that he has named his ship Carrion Spike. The ship is very important to the theme of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Palpatine asked Vader, do you know why Tarkin named his ship the Carrion Spike? And Vader says no. And Vader and Palpatine says, you should ask him. So Palpatine, it's, Palpatine's impressed and he wants Vader yeah, to know when, so that when, Vader can also yeah, be Yeah, when Palpatine's like, have you heard this joke? Go ask him the joke. Yeah. Like, that's freaking cool. That's freaking sick. Because we said the other day and you were like, huh? I said, Palpatine is the greatest or most powerful Star Wars character ever. Or I can't remember what I said, but I was like, he's the best Star Wars character and I know that he's not everyone's favorite. I know that people were butthurt that he came back for Rise of Skywalker. But really, that's just the people that don't understand Sheev. Right. He's probably still out right now somewhere. <laughs> what if he really did transfer his essence oh my God, that'd be so to Ray? <laughs> Episode 10, Palpatine Returns. Dude, what if she was like, Ray who? And it was like, <laughs> Sorry for those of you listening and your ears just got bloodied. Um, but anyway, so... Vader asks him questions about the name of his ship, and then Palpatine or Tarkin sees where Vader's going with this, and Tarkin's about to leave the Star Destroyer they're on. Right. And, uh, or sorry, Vader's about to leave, and Tarkin says, Let me walk you to the bay. And so basically, Tarkin's like walking and talking with Vader, 
And it's cool because Tarkin says that he now recognizes, like, this is the first time he's had actual dialogue with Vader, and that Vader keeps looking down at him, showing him that he's listening, and Vader's asking clarifying questions. So even Vader's captivated by this story, which is sick, because yeah, Vader, almost everything's below his notice. Vader and Thron- or, uh, Tarkin's relationship has always fascinated me. Because like you said, way back in 77, Vader is on screen for like 8 minutes or 12 minutes or something ridiculous, and he starts his journey towards best cinema villain of all time, which he is. And then you have Tarkin, who's on there for just two seconds, and he's like, hey, stop it. Yeah. And Vader's like, sorry. Yeah. Like, he's, it's, I don't know, if, when you're younger, it looks like Tarkin's the boss. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's kind of I think like... as you get older... There's a respect there. Well, that and... I mean, he kind of is I the think, boss I on think the they're Death on Star. a ship... Are they on the Death Star? They're on the Death Star at the time. So the Death Star is basically Tarkin's ship. Yeah. And so Tarkin has command. Yeah, talk talk about having the Carrion Spike and then upgrading to the Death Star. Right. Well, and uh, basically to compensate him for the Carrion Spike, Palpatine gives him his own Star Destroyer, which is kind of a big deal. Right. Because he's not in the Navy, strictly speaking. Right. He's off as like a civilian uh, and military position. But anyway, back to the Carrion Spike. So... What he does is he plans it so that while they're eating their hunting from the night before, but before they go up to the spike, he starts to climb the spike. Hmm. And uh, he has like super reinforced gloves that there's like an old belt that broke on the speeder and he cut that belt into pieces oh, that's to make cool. like rubberized gloves and oh, yeah, thicken yeah, yeah. the soles of his boots. And so by the time they get there, he's on top of the spike and he recognizes that... There's the Alpha that he calls uh, Lord, I think. He just calls him Lord. Mm. And um, there's like a secondary Alpha who never challenges Lord, but has his own following. I think he said of like 12 or 13 that just follow him everywhere he goes. Mm. But he called that one Shadow. That's cool. Which is cool. So he's like seeing the Takes dynamic. Takes you back to your Red Ball days. I know, right? Uh, and so... He's basically there, and he knows that they're all just pissed off that he's there. and so Because <laughs> he's on the other side of their border now. Yeah, well, he's in the middle of it, and he's on the very top of it. He climbed to the top of the spike, which they can't do, because they don't have the rubber oh, gloves. Right, they right, can't right, climb right, right. Okay. They can't climb it, and they can't jump high enough to get on top of it. Hmm. And so they're basically mad dog in the base of this carrion spike. They're yelling at him, and it gets to the point where uh, Lord steps in, and he says, Lord yells so loudly that it's louder than the rest of them combined and like almost as if like he could yell so loud that it would knock Tarkin off. That's cool. And so this dude, he's like the oldest, he's all scarred. Like he's just... He's been through some crap. Yeah, he's just like ruined. And so Shadow all this time is still watching. And uh, at one point... Dang, Shadow knows that if he helps Tarkin that he can rule. But what happens is that Shadow was waiting for an opportunity to overthrow Lord, mm-hmm. and he saw Tarkin as the distraction that he needed, and he yelled, and all the people, or all the little monkeys that worked for Shadow, attacked Lord at the same time. And Lord, it said Tarkin was watching Lord, and it almost looked like he was confused because they had like a, he would get challenged all the time. Mm-hmm. For but never dominance. by a group. But it's always like a one-on-one thing. And he said it almost looked like he was confused because of the violation of some ethic. Hmm. And it, that he like quickly like snapped back and he killed three of them before they managed to actually get him down. And then right after Lord died, Tarkin threw his vibro lance and killed Shadow. 
Oh, snap. So, like, they had their leader, and then their pseudo-leader stepped in, and then as soon as they overthrew their main guy, then they killed the replacement, or Tarkin killed the replacement, and they were just completely confused. Yeah. Because now they don't have a leader. You cut the head off a snake. And then it said at nighttime, he climbed down and pulled his vibro-lance out of Shadow's body, and none of them tried to attack him, and they actually just followed him to the perimeter. And homie just walked home. And he just walked out. And after that time, all of those monkeys just left the spike. And he was the last Tarkin to be able to pass that test because he ruined it for everybody else. Because now the test is broken. Oh, snap. Yeah, Yeah, Tarkin's a bad man. So this is the thing that shaped him from the age of like 16, 17. Right. To being the person that he is, you know, in his mid-60s on the Death Star, basically large and in charge number three in the galaxy. Right. Um, So... After this, he enters the military. Yeah, so there's like a paramilitary group that's regional. Um, There is a pirate problem that he takes care of. Like nobody in that, um, the Outland Region Security Force um, is able to take care of. It's the Ka'ana Space Pirates or the Ka'ana's Marauders. Mm -hmm. And basically they're giving them big problems and they're going to like bankrupt this sector because they keep, you know, stealing all their fuel. And making it just, like, costly. Right. Uh, And Tarkin basically outsmarts them. And then, um, like, he, you know, is big there. Big bad dude. And so, uh, from there, he kind of transitions into a more galactic thing at the, uh, let's see. Um, I guess that would be with the judicial forces. He was in, like, flight school to become a pilot. Um... And that was more like, that was like the peacekeepers before the Jedi kind of stepped in that role. Um, Because at this point in the galaxy, the Republic didn't have a formal army. Right. So these were guys who were like the galactic police, basically. Um, And this is where Tarkin first works with a Jedi. It says he's fascinated because he's a strong hand-to-hand combatant. He liked to see, um, you know, like their techniques. And he was thinking, you know, how similar... Some right. of the fighting with the lightsabers was to his vibro lance that he's used to. Hmm. Um, Dude, I wonder if he, like, I think about Thrawn, especially in the Legends continuity, and I think about Tarkin, and I wonder, because all the Jedi that we really spend any time with are like the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not, in, there's, there's you only one. You could take him on. Yeah, dude. I wonder if. I think it's like the Batman versus Superman argument. Like, a lot of people are like, well, Batman had planning time. He could take on Superman. Yeah. Um, which I think is ridiculous, but... Uh, what about Goku and Superman? Don't even... Um, anyway. That's kind of how I think of that. Like, if Tarkin had time to plan. Yeah, I know, but I think, like... I don't. I think Thrawn would stand a better chance, because even in, in the Thrawn book, Vader says, are you really going to tell me that you haven't thought of a way to kill me yet? And Thrawn's like, I've thought of three. <laughs> yeah that's true um but i think that like it's kind of like this i think of the nba as the strongest basketball association but there are players from other leagues who are the best of that league who are better than the yeah, middle to use grade that 70s show type analogy uh could the top donkey beat the lesser horse right exactly yeah so like you think about it like okay like a like a like a basketball player like luka Doncic, who was like the cream of the crop in europe mm-hmm He's not better than LeBron James. He's not better than Kevin Durant. He's not better than you know what I'm saying. Yeah. He's not Steph but he's Curry. Better than the worst players in the but he's, NBA. But he's he's an all star. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I wonder if Thrawn and Tarkin, who are the smarter, they're obviously smarter. Yeah. Than a lot I think of Jedi. if they had their time, 
I think. But if it was just a straight up like, all right, we're fighting now. Yeah. Yeah. Jedi. Jedi. Ten out of ten. Just because the. What's the level though? It. I. Just it's any, hard to any, compensate any, for not using the force. Any night. I mean, because you, especially, you don't see it as much in the movies, but the books, it's like, it always talks about how fast Jedis are. Yeah. It just frustrates me because then you have... I just can't see... Then you have the General Grievouses who are just mowing through folks, and I'm like, does no one have Force Push? Right. Anybody? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get onto that right now, but um, maybe. He gets kind of made fun of when he is first arriving into the Judicial Forces Academy, essentially, because his planet is so proud of him that they like land him in like their best shuttle and he's like decked out in full regalia because he's already achieved some rank and some status there well you think about it it's kind of like it's kind of like you're he's the best yeah on their entire planet yeah and they're really proud of him and they want him to represent but he looks foolish because he's going to come in and he's going to be enlisted as a cadet Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it's kind of like Thrawn knowing what he's capable of and knowing that he's basically an admiral in his own navy and he's having to like settle for like lieutenant. Right. You know, it's right. it's kind of demeaning. Um, but he, it says he was slow to advance in his early career because he kept getting in fights uh, because people would dog him and he would just take him out. And he said what, most of the fights that he won. Um, but it, basically after that, he started to bide his time. To want Tarkin? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he started to bide his time, and there is the first mission that he's working with the Jedi. They were supposed to break up into different groups and advance on the point at the same time. All their communications get blocked out. Mm. But Tarkin, being Tarkin, has already memorized all the topography of the planet, and uh, they're arguing. His group is arguing about how to cross a river, mm-hmm. and he waits until they're all engulfed in it, and then he uh, got waited until they got to a point where he knew it was safe to cross, and then he just went and stood in the middle of the river till it was up to his chest, and he's like. It's this deep. <laughs> and then yeah, he's, I can tell that he's, um, he's very, uh, he's he, an opportunist. Yeah. I think that he's, him and Thrawn are very different in the fact that Thrawn is like just patient as the day is long. Mm-hmm. And Tarkin is more like, he's going to wait, but if he sees an opportunity, he's going to take it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tarkin doesn't have any problems promoting himself. Yeah. And that's um, kind of different than Thrawn. Yeah. And so, at that point, whoever's in charge is basically slowly deferring to Tarkin until Tarkin is impressing everybody. He's shown him how to, like, hunt with just, like, hand weapons. Uh, he's, like, building fires out of nothing. And finally, it was, like, three or four days in the jungle. They make it to where they were supposed to be. And the Jedi are, like, their minds are totally blown because uh, they didn't expect any of the forces to... Like, they sent out search parties nobody got found and uh they were just basically expecting all those guys to be lost and here comes Tarkin leading his troop uh basically the homeward bound journey <laughs> in their journey <laughs> with the freaking two dogs and yeah, the cat and here comes chance limping up you know he got yeah. him home uh Veermox. Veermox are the primate species it took me forever to find that yeah and so anyway from that point on Tarkin's like a thing of legend mm. and there's like just myths floating about him in the Navy, uh, or I guess at this point in the Judicial Forces. And while he's at this point in his life, Palpatine's already recruiting him. Palpatine's a senator, but he recognizes that Tarkin's got potential. He's trying to recruit Tarkin into going into politics. And so um, for a while, Tarkin says, you know, I'm going to kind of stay where I'm at. Uh, And then gradually... 
he realizes that he's kind of tapped out his potential in the judicial forces. Um, and then, as far as I know or remember, he did some politicking. And then when the Clone Wars came up, he enlisted with the Navy. And right. just kind of went from there. Now, one of the cool things is later on in the novel or flashback, I don't know, it's kind of hard to remember what part of the novel this is in because you're going back and forth in time. Mm-hmm. But there's a moment where Palpatine knows how strong Tarkin is as far as his intelligence and his military prowess and mm-hmm. he's aggressive and Palpatine likes that. Mm-hmm. And so as so this the war is the starts... where Tarkin is now the governor he's of the governor. Iriadu, which is not just like... The Tarkins were like the mayors, you know what I mean? But yeah. now this is like imperial sector almost. Right. We're kind of get to that point. Yeah. Well, it's it's well, it's the beginning of the Clone War. Right. And so he hasn't yet yeah, officially this is, joined this the is Republic. Before the Clone Wars, this is when he's still doing politics. Right. And so um, you got to remember that even though Palpatine isn't the Emperor yet, yeah, he's got Sidious designs. is already Sidious. Yeah. Makes sense? Yeah. And so you got this moment where at the very beginning of the Separatists doing their thing, mm-hmm. right before the Clone Wars starts, and everybody's kind of choosing their sides already. Yeah. You know, you've got the Mandalore where it's like, well, we're a peaceful people, we're not going to do anything, and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But the main players, Inner Rim, Core, Outer Rim, they're all kind of choosing their sides already. Mm-hmm. And so... Okay. This is the point in time where, um, obviously, pre-Civil War, is recruiting. Right. He's, he's now forming the Separatist Alliance. Right. So I would say, I would say this is like... During episode one, maybe? I think this is a little bit before episode one because it's it would have been before all the troubles on Naboo. Right. It's before Palpatine mm-hmm. is... He's still a senator. He's not the chancellor yet. But he's already getting his ducks in a row. Yeah. And he sends as Sidious, which this kind of makes you realize how early on Dooku was a Sith. Mm-hmm. But he, as Sidious, he sends Dooku to recruit Tarkin to the separatist way of of thinking and, yeah. and that sort of thing. Is- during or after episode one, because there's yeah. a big gap between one and two. Right, there's ten years. Yeah. So um, during that time, Dooku goes and is like, "Man, the, the Republic's failing is this, this, and this." And um, basically, Tarkin kind of tells him off and is like, "I'm loyal to the Republic. I'm loyal to the Chancellor. I'm loyal yeah. to this, this, and this." And it's really Sidious before pa- Tarkin knows what's going on, mm-hmm. testing Tarkin's loyalty because you've got the passion. You're smart enough. Mm-hmm. Are you loyal? Because that's the triangle of leadership yeah. is. Are you talented? Are you committed? You know, what's your loyalty? What's your? Are you available? You're, he's yeah. available. He's smart. Is he loyal? And so he he checks on him via Dooku. Yeah. And, and Dooku tries to basically persuade him two or three times. Yeah. And then finally Dooku says, you know, he's like, I'm going to come out and say it. He's like, fine, I'm going to say it. I don't care that you broke your arm. <laughs> you know, uh, he comes out and he's like, join me. Yeah. And Targan's like... Not today, Zerg. Not today, Zerg. Yeah, so he's loyal, and all that does is just shoot him straight up the list yeah, of favorites on Palpatine's. The so then the war breaks out, and he joins, he officially joins the Republic. Mm-hmm. He's a captain. And again, it's a, I'm going to bide my time, and mm-hmm. I'll leave the governorship of a whole planet so that I can be lower in the military than most everybody else. Yeah. You know? And you know that he, you know that he knows that he's a greater military mind than like ninety nine percent of Jedi. Mm-hmm. But the Jedi are going to be generals, and he's going to be a captain. Like imagine you're working for Even Peel, and he's like, "I'm not sure what to do here," and you're like, 
remember the Carrion Spike? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's submitting himself to that because yeah. he's playing the long game. Right. That is that is Tarkin and Thrawn's right. thing is the long game. And, and what's so, cool about Tarkin, and we've kind of said this in a few different ways, but what's cool about Tarkin is that he is willing to just do whatever it takes to get to where he wants to be. You know what I mean? Right. And it's just cool to see how his early life shapes his natural alliance with Palpatine because what he had to go through to become basically even worthy of ruling on his own planet Mm -hmm. is basically the mindset that he had to be in to become like a natural ally to Palpatine's empire. Right. You know what I mean? Because there was there are a lot of people that are like, oh, I don't know about this empire business and Tarkin's like, Yes, rule by fear. Yeah. You know, he's he's yeah. like iron fist. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's and in. so he's he recognizes the necessity to become the apex predator the by galaxy, reputation alone. The galaxy is the, the carrier in planes. Yeah. And that's just all there is to it. Yeah. And so from there he obviously gains super notoriety. He's the first grand moth. Yeah. And it's like basically Palpatine goes, you know what? You're better than all these bums, but yeah. you kind of need the same thing. So we're going to make yeah. a whole new office for so you. So basically, Tarkin's already moff. There's this very strategically advanced and smart and well-informed rebel cell. Mm-hmm. You know, before the rebellion was a cohesive unit. And he basically outsmarts him, mm-hmm. you know, long way around. And so he had suggested to Palpatine having, like, over-governors. So, like, there's the governors, and they do their sectors, but they're kind of not in touch with each other. You know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. just doing their thing. So he's saying there should be, like, district oversight. and uh, Regional governors. Yeah, and so basically Palpatine's like, uh, you know, long story short, you get your wish. Congratulations, Grand Moff. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you. <laughs> and then... He puts him in charge. He's like, now you're in charge of all of the Death Star project. Mm-hmm. Because he was just in charge of like some small bits they were happening on Geonosis. He's like, right. now it's all your biz. Right. So basically, here's my here's my take, and I guess we'll kind of wrap up with this. Because we all know he makes it in Rebels, and, you know, and then by Episode 4, the Death Star is destroyed. It's sheer luck. Like, it's so... Think about this. Like, how lucky is it that the good guys win in Star Wars? Mm-hmm. Like, the odds are always... Stacked against them, which is kind of annoying, but whatever. Um, I don't know. Episode kind of a, five. I'm kind of a dark side <laughs> guy myself. Yeah, I'm like Revenge of the Sith and Empire, the two best ones. Um, but I think if you know Tarkin, who is, it's. I love that he says evacuate in a moment of triumph. Like he doesn't want to leave the Death Star. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it speaks volumes of his character that he doesn't leave. Mm-hmm. But I'll say this. If Tarkin survived, like even if you destroy the Death Star, if Tarkin's still in the picture, and if Thrawn is around, by the time Episode Six happens, it would not. I don't give a, a good gosh darn what happens on yeah. Endor, because I think if Tarkin is around to keep the Emperor grounded a little bit, it doesn't even matter if Vader turns. I don't think personally. Hmm. Well, and at that point, the Emperor or the Empire kind of would have had a better figurehead to rally around. Because everybody knew it was Palpatine, Vader, Tarkin. Right. And so if, if Vader kind of is starting to lose his marbles a little bit, by the time mm-hmm. he learns about Luke, he's kind of, he's obsessed. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, 
All right. Like, he's... Think about this. You've got the whole galaxy-wide rebellion going on. Right. He's looking for a hobby. He's hit his midlife crisis. Yeah. He's he's Solomon, you he's know, getting, 60 years into his reign. He's like, I've had it all, but it's nothing. Yeah, he's getting <laughs> his... He's getting his first tattoo at 65. <laughs> he's got a Jeep. He's moving out to the middle of nowhere. His starts is red, and it's a convertible. Yeah, you know? Um... He's, he's buying, looking for that nice hot blonde to sit in the passenger seat. He's buying tank tops that say. <laughs> he's buying tank tops that say "Life's better topless." It's, it's a got Jeep a picture joke. of a Jeep. Yeah. you know. That's 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 Vader in episodes five through you know six, and so if Tarkin was there to go, hey, get your head out of your metallic butt. We've got things to do, because because Tarkin's the only person besides Palpatine that has yeah. that place to say, hey, snap out of it. Yeah. Well, and you can see. Because kind of that Palpatine's a little bit fed up with Vader by the time Episode yeah. Six rolls around because Vader's like, "He'll come to me," and, Vader, and Palpatine's like, "He will come to you." Are you with me? And then you <laughs> will bring him to me. Right. God. Yeah. You know he's, he's think about it like okay you got the whole galaxy going on. <laughs> he's being so condescending. You've got the whole galaxy going on, and in Episode Five he's like. I've lost this toy, and I will hire you to find it for me. Like, think about that. Why is the Empire on Bespin in Episode 5 when there's a whole rebellion to defeat? Like, he doesn't understand. I mean, he doesn't know that Leia's with Han Solo. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know what's going on. Right. So... All he cares about is... All he cares about is... To be fair... But he really likes... Also, why does he like the Falcon so much? (laughs) Have you thought about that? I think he hates the Falcon. He's like... I want that chip. I think it's I think it's because it's gotten away from him. Also, episode four, it is the Falcon that shoots Vader. Mm, yeah. So He's if like, he catches it, you think I he drives hate. it? I don't know. Maybe that would be just like a stick it to the man. Yeah. He's like, guess who's driving the Falcon now? It's me. That'd be a mad flex. Yeah, that'd be pretty dope. Vader driving the Falcon. It'd be painted black. Yeah. Dude, it would be sick. He he get it all fixed up. Black Sabbath has... would be stoked. Oh yeah, he has unlimited credits. No, 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 yeah, imagine he has it black with like flames coming off the front. Well, probably not flames. He's not really a fan of flames. No, all black, all black, shiny. And um, anyways, we're kind of get off subject here. Yeah. But yeah, Tarkin's the man. And um, if you're a reader or if you love audiobooks, sorry, it's the Rolling Stones that did paint it black. I knew I was wrong when I said Black Sabbath. Uh, I would easy. I would get. My hands on that book, Tarkin. I'm sure it's available on Amazon for like $8 if you want paperback. If you're a listener, if you have Audible, I would listen to the audiobook. It's just really great. Um, and so that's Tarkin, man. He is more than meets the eye. Yeah. And we're not going to talk about what happens in a certain point of view. <laughs> so there you had it first. So that's Tarkin for you. And um, we'll be back next week. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the channel, like this video, share it. Subscribe to our um, podcast on Audible, or not Audible, but Apple Podcast and Spotify. And um, until then, may the Force be with you. And remember, the only family you have here is is me. me. I was happy to join with you on that one. Thank you. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week.